And please be opening your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. I'll be giving today the charge to Josh. And then David will do a charge to the church. We're going to focus our charge on this exhortation to elders giving by St. Peter in 1 Peter 5, 1-4. The text reads, Therefore I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you shall receive the unfading crown of glory. I'm going to look at four points very quickly. We're going to look at this is a partnership first. Therefore, I exhort you elders. Notice that's plural. Among you as your fellow elder with witness of the sufferings of Christ and partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. That A church needs to have multiple elders, doesn't it? Nobody needs too much credit. And ain't nobody needs too much blame. (laughs) We need to be pulling together, striving together, leading together with the gifts that God gives to a plurality of of qualified men. Notice it says the fellow elder. I love that Peter, the apostle Peter, calls himself a sum presbyteros. That he, I'm a fellow elder, one among Christian leaders. Peter, the apostle who walked on water, who was indeed, as he points out, a witness to the sufferings of of Christ, but he doesn't include himself as I'm above, but I'm alongside. That you're not a mini-elder today. We're not appointing him to be a lesser elder, but a co-elder alongside of us. We don't believe in a model of first among equals. We believe in elders ruling alongside one another according to the will of God under the authority of the Scriptures. That I want you to be willing to question me and David in appropriate ways. You think we're wrong. Press on us with the scriptures that you are a co-laborer with us. Our, my educational background or our time in the ministry. That No, no, you are a fellow elder with us. A sum presbyteros. That it demands humility. That you don't exalt yourself above others. And it demands a willingness to step out and to press when you think that those that you're ruling with or serving alongside of are wrong. And a partaker of the glory of, that's to be revealed. A koino, 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 koinonos. It's like koinonia. It's related to that. Uh, that you're a sharer in the glory. That hey, It's shared not solo. It's shared, not solo. That we shouldn't be grasping for who gets more prominence or who gets more credit or who gets more of a platform. That none of that should matter. That we want the name of Christ to be praised. 
and lift it up. I love 1 Corinthians 3, 4-9. through 9. For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not just mere men? What then is Apollos and what is Paul? They're just servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters, they're one. There's a oneness in this soon presbyteros. So that we're partakers of the same glory that's going to be revealed. That he's using us together. And each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. Sharers in that reward. For we are God's fellow workers. That's that word again in 1 Corinthians. And you are God's field. God's building. So... And it's delayed, not immediate. This reward that we get, notice that. That I exhort you elders among you and your fellow elders and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker of the glory that's to be revealed. That we're serving for something that's later. And how do we get to that reward through this partnership as we serve alongside one another together? What is the pursuit of our ministry? That's verse 2. To shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercising oversight. Shepherd the flock. Be shepherds of the flock. And where's where's Peter's mind going? What's he? Does that would that ring anything? Would that ring any bells in his past that you can think of? After that, he had denied his Lord three times, and the cock crowed, and he's restored to Jesus, and he comes back, and Jesus has said, "Go tell my disciples and Peter because it's infected him so deeply. He don't even know if he's worthy to be called a disciple anymore." And he meets with Jesus, and Jesus tells him. Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. When you are converted, strengthen when you're brought back. You'll strengthen the brethren to go back to earlier in the ministry. This takes humility to remember that as you shepherd the flock, you might get frustrated with them when they stray, when they come short, when they betray the Lord in their ways. And they will. They'll come short. They're sinners. We're sinners. But we remember where we've been brought from. And we shepherd the flock knowing that we're sheep also that have been brought back, that have been pursued. Jesus sought me when I was a stranger wandering from the throne of God. And that we will go and we will get them in that same way when they're straying. We'll love them enough to do that. So shepherd the flock of God. Which one? Well, the one that's among you. We don't need to be concerned with trying to shepherd the whole world. We need to be faithful with what God has entrusted to us. That this is our sphere of sovereignty. This is, where we're, this is what we will give an account to God for. We shouldn't be thinking so much about everybody else's flocks or gaining platforms here or there, but shepherding the flock, being diligent to be faithful with what God has placed on you. You've already done that with your family, with your wife, and with your children. You have a track record of that. And now you expand it out. And be diligent here in this next place that God's placed. If He gives a larger platform, so be it, but never seek it. Shepherd the flock of God, the one that's among you. These people care deeply about these people. Be faithful with these people. And how do we do it? Well, we've got that. The only command in this whole section is shepherd the flock of God. But we've got a participle that tells us part of what that will look like. It's exercising oversight. We've had a difficult couple of weeks, haven't we? 
Josh texted me once after we had a situation that was kind of spreading. We're losing contain. We're trying to contain things. And then you hear this phone call's made to this one, and this phone call's made to this one, and this one has said this, and it's spread to this one, and it's not. It gets, and, and he, Josh texted me and said that it's like herding cats. <laughs> it can get out of control, can it? Sometimes it is. And Josh, you have to be all in. You have to be all in. You have to understand the situation. You have to maintain your composure. You have to not transgress what you already know to be true while you're analyzing a situation that you need divine wisdom to rightly understand. It's beyond your ability. And you're trying to maintain your composure while you're trying to analyze the situation and then scour the Scriptures to understand your own duty and the duty of everyone else involved, and then you have to communicate it to people who often don't want to hear it and who don't always appreciate your efforts. But that's your office. That's what you've got now. That is that for which you will give an account to God. It is your duty, and you have to fulfill that duty with our third point, with a certain posture. Look at verse 2b through c that not under compulsion but voluntarily according to the will of God not for sort of gain but with eagerness not as lording it over those allotted to your charge but proving to be examples to the flock. We have we have here three not buts as I call them. Not this but that. Three not buts. Not under compulsion but voluntarily, according to the will of God, there should be a deep anxiety for the church and the man who would be an overseer. An ache. You can't help it. That's why I believe no pressure should be used to talk a man into being an elder ever. Such would result in an unwilling, half-hearted service. If you have to chase a man down to make him take it, then you'll likely have to chase him down to make him do it. Sometimes the sheep make it difficult. And you have to make sure that you're doing it according to the will of God. Even when it is difficult, that you're pressed by that, that you're, you're anchored by the fact that this is the will of God. This is what God would have me to do. I, He's equipped me to be able to deal with this, and I must. It's voluntarily, but it comes out of an anguish for the church. Hebrews 13, 17, Obey your leaders, this is instruction to congregations, and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. And they're instructed, Let them do this with joy and not with grief. Sometimes you will be doing it with grief. So this, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, sometimes it will be a heavy burden. But you do it, why? Why can you do it voluntarily even when it's a heavy burden? Because it's according to the will of God. Because this is what He's placed upon me and I will do it willingly. I don't have to be dragged, kicking and screaming, or held accountable, or pressed on. I'll do it because it's the will of God. And I can put aside my, my desire for immediate comfort and rest to serve the church like God would have me to do. And our next not but is not for sordid gain but with eagerness. 
Not when you see the opportunity for immediate gain, financially or otherwise. Not when, I, if I do this, I'll get a better platform, or I'll get more prominence, or people will notice and I'll get more praise. I'll get more recognition. No, but we eagerly, because the need is there, not because there's immediate things that we can gain from it, but eagerly because the need is there. Your love for the bride of Christ must make you sacrifice for her good, not work for your gain. We sacrifice for the good of the church. We don't work for our gain. At least not immediate gain. We get gain, right? The glory that we mentioned already that is to be revealed. But right now, in the immediate, it's sacrifice. And you sacrifice for the good of the church because you love her. Our next, not but, not lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be an example to the flock. Josh being appointed as an elder today, as a shepherd. You were a sheep first, and you are now a shepherd second. You are still a sheep first, and a shepherd second. We never stop being sheep as elders. We are sheep first, we are shepherds second. You're to humbly live in community with other sheep, submitting to one another in love, walking in faithfulness and in integrity and purity as you call them alongside you on the path. It's not lording authority, it's come with me. It's not you go do, it's come with me and let's go. It's a different posture, isn't it? Heavy-handed leadership where you command to do others that which you yourselves are not doing and that which Scripture does not give you the authority to command is beneath the office of an elder. I've never seen you do it and God forbid any of us ever do. So we've seen this. It is a partnership. We've seen that this pursuit is the shepherding of the sheep. We've seen this posture that we have to maintain and we do it all for the prize. Verse 4. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Mm. Note with me. It's delayed, not immediate. Verse 1 had the, you'll a partaker also of the glory that's to be revealed. That's delayed there in verse 1, isn't it? And, and now in verse 4 we see when, not if to. Oh, what a motivating thing that it's not, hopefully you'll get this crown of, you know, you'll get this unfading crown of, of glory. No, it's not, it's not hopefully you will. It's I will persevere and it's promised that you win the chief shepherd appears. And that's another thing, before I even get to beyond this, we are shepherds, yes, but let us never forget that we're under the chief shepherd and we will give an account. When he appears, if we faithfully discharge our duties to the sheep, to the flock of God that is among us, it's his flock, and we want to make sure that we don't damage the sheep, injure the sheep, lose the sheep. If we discharge those duties under his headship, according to his word, when he appears, you will receive... Absolute certainty, an eternal, not a temporal thing. Look, an unfading crown of glory. When Jesus comes, the under-shepherds will receive their prize from Him. Namely, an unfading crown of glory. 
They accept this trophy as a recognition of the labor of love that they've devoted to the members of the church. And it's later, keep that in mind, you'll never, you'll never get too tired to keep going on. If you remember, this is promised, it's later. And what is the unfading crown of glory? I don't know, but I sure do want it. I trust Him it's going to be good or He wouldn't have used it to motivate me. You're going to get it. They accept this trophy as a recognition of the labors of love that they devoted to the ministry of the church. Theirs is the crown of glory that will never fade away. The Greek here for fade away relates to a certain flower that doesn't use it to lose its beauty and thereafter it, 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 therefore it symbolizes immortality. Skillful hands form a crown of these flowers. And the crown was then given to the victor as a token of his victory in the games. At the end of his missionary career, while in Roman prison, Paul says that there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all those who glory in his appearing. Let's glory in his appearing. That's what we're waiting on. And we're faithful as we wait. We go forward trusting that the reward is worth the sacrifice. James also mentions the person who perseveres in trials will receive the crown of life. You think about the crown of thorns that Jesus wore and the unfading crown of glory that He gives His people. Jesus bore the crown of humiliation so that we might wear the garland of glory. And that motivates us to trust Him, to persevere, to strive, to press on toward the mark of the upward calling in Christ Jesus and never, ever, ever quit. Ever. The shepherd leaves because he doesn't love the sheep. You press on. Remember this when you're tested to quit, Josh. Remember it when difficult sheep have made shepherding a grief instead of a joy. Remember it when there seems to be nothing immediately in it for you. Not right now. I just don't see what, what's in it for me. It's not now. And do the work. Back to 2 and 3, not under compulsion. Do it not under compulsion. Do it voluntarily. Do it according to the will of God. And not for sordid gain but with eagerness. The unfading crown of glory beats fading sordid gain every time. And our receipt thereof is certain. Kind of gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You so much for using Your Holy Spirit to raise Josh up among us. Lord, I pray that in the same way You've raised him up, that You will give him perseverance, that he would endure to the end, that You would fill him with wisdom beyond himself, and that You would use him to build Your church. It's you doing it, but that you would work in and through him in mighty and powerful ways to accomplish your purposes. And Lord, let him receive by grace that unfading crown of glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.